Hey, you're listening to Burst Your Bubble. I'm Josh and I've got Kyler here with me. We're here to bring you the sharpest sports takes. Today we have Shane Hubert on for Fantasy Football Friday. We dive into the rookie class and let you know how to value some of these young players. We talk Andy Dalton getting released by the Bengals and looking at possible landing spots. We look at the possibility of NBA playing again and most importantly, we have sports back. NASCAR is starting back on May 17th and we couldn't be happier for live sports. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Burst Your Bubble. Remember to rate, review, and share us with your friends or literally anyone you know. Thanks for listening, and remember, no hard feelings, because more than likely, one of us will burst your bubble. Bro, school blows. I just got to taking a two-hour test. I'm so sick of it. Yeah, Josh, we're at the end of April, beginning of May. That is a big mood across America right now. And it's like, I didn't, my school didn't get canceled or anything because my classes were already all online, but I did not want to have to take that test tonight. And I'm glad I got it over with. I think I did pretty good on it, but man, I'm in such a bad mood now and I'm tired and I'm getting a little cranky. Well, I've got something that might be able to cheer you up. We've got some potential sports on may 17th nascar scheduled their comeback may 17th um they're pretty certain it's gonna happen uh so we got some sports do we know where it's at uh it's in south carolina i believe okay uh, homestead yeah well that is good that's sports back on tv all right maybe this maybe this will turn around for me that's a good sign right there i'm that's some positivity i needed that yeah you know and uh kind of speaking on some positivity um we saw that disneyland is proposed as a possible landing spot for the nba playoffs um along with other college campuses another possibility is splitting uh the conferences up in basically three different cities the east coast the west coast and basically dallas would be the third city in the middle um and pretty much the word is in that situation dallas would host the nba finals um so pretty intricate system and uh obviously um when we hear things like this coming out and uh even stuff like nascar i can only think that there must be an advancement in medicine testing um i know disney has been a big proponent uh in the advancement of the bubble system um, really testing out everything how that works um, how it can work how it could work so hopefully they uh they found some breakthroughs and we do get some sports back well, I think I think it's pretty uh, pretty known that testing is is getting better. Access to testing is is expanding, so that's probably the biggest part of this. Because even if you go into this without fans and stadiums, as long as the players you know have been tested and the the people who are around the game has been tested, uh, you know you can quarantine all those people into those cities that you were talking about. And there's a, there are a lot of options that you can do uh, if you're keeping fans out of the out of the arenas. So. That opens up a lot of options for them to be able to work that with. Yeah, Disneyland, I mean, it's basically a huge – it's any any college campus you've ever been to, Disneyland is bigger than that. Um, There's courts everywhere. There's hotels. Disneyland would be the perfect spot for it. Um, I've always been a big proponent of, you know, put the Western Conference at UCLA, put the Eastern Conference at USC – and, you know, we'll, we'll meet at the Staples Center for the finals. And I think, I think that's actually the best case scenario, the best option as far as bubbling, um, keeping everyone quarantined. I don't um, 
myself as well as Adam Silver, very skeptical of the Vegas plan, uh, quarantining in a hotel. Um, but he wants a champion to be named, and I do too. Uh, Woj is reporting that 15,000 tests will be needed for the NBA. Um, the PGA said they would need, and they have access to a million tests. Um, and that's what they would need to, I, I'm pretty sure it said to run their full season as scheduled, um, a million tests. And in a, in a time where you said, you know, testing has improved, but, you know, it's not quite where we need it. Um, and <laughs> the PGA coming out said they basically have access to a million tests. Um, it, it sounds a little tone deaf. Yeah, they're definitely uh, they're they're definitely not hitting their their audience there. But uh, it, testing has expanded for a lot of people who who need it. The the biggest thing is the asymptomatic uh, people being able to get them tested. Um, and you know the hope is that we'll get there sooner rather than later. But I'm just excited that we have some sports going on, and the fact that we're talking about a way for the playoffs to happen, I'm excited for. I actually heard words talking about uh, the play-in for for the NBA, which is kind of what I was talking about, a very minimized uh, training camp with, uh, you know, just a few play-in games and then going into the playoffs. Um, And that's kind of what I was talking about, a very short thing to get them introduced. I don't think it's going to be as long as anyone wants it to be, but they're going to have to do it in a way that, you know, is feasible for their – to finish out the season in the playoffs. So this is my idea, and – Coach Claiborne and every Memphis Grizzly in the world is going to hate me uh, for even pitching this idea. Uh, one game playoff for the seventh or 10 seed. Uh, seven seed plays the 10, eight plays the nine. Um, one game play in that, that decides who makes the playoffs. I think that it, it's probably not the most fair because they, I think the Grizzlies have a three or four game advantage on the team behind them. But uh, for the fairness in, in, in sense of getting Zion on TV so people can watch him, um, it's completely fair. So you think Zion's more exciting than Jaw? Uh, just a tad, yeah, I do. Hmm. That's, I mean, that's interesting. Well, that, that would be an interesting little uh, play-in. I don't, I don't think it'll go that route. I think that uh, they'll play probably two, a week or two, probably two weeks worth of season, regular season games, whatever they have left, uh, kind of spread it out that way. Um, and then go into the playoffs, you know. But there's, I don't, I don't see them bringing in unnecessary teams. I don't see them bringing in a Warriors team that's only won 17 games this season to play four more games. There's seven more games. Yeah, and Steve Kerr was talking to his team like it was an exit. You know, like you know, they were talking about the Warriors were basically done. He was prepping his team for to go ahead and move to next season, uh, and that could very well be the case. There are so many options right now that the NBA is looking at. So many things that the the player association is negotiating with them as well so it, it's really hard to tell what's happening but it's fun to speculate yep and lebron lebron would uh, disagree with that he was not enjoying the speculation from the gms and execs uh speculator there was speculation that some execs um were saying that they want the season canceled you know just move it to next year let's just reset next year um and obviously lebron was railing against that uh Obviously, because he just has the most to lose in the situation. Um, completely losing another season while he's already 35, 36 years old. Um, and last year was obviously a throwaway year in order to land AD. Um, his, his window is, is ticking down, and he knows it. So, yeah, he definitely is going to advocate everything he can to get the season finished. 
Yeah, well, for me, speculation is speculation on how we can keep the season going, how we can get into the playoffs. I, I'm, I, I've been the optimist on this show the entire time, so I'm definitely not a, definitely wouldn't speculate that we that we cancel and move on. I, and I agree with LeBron in exactly what you just said. He does have the most to lose in this situation, and it's. I think that he should advocate to play to finish out the season because I want to see a champion crown, and all the actual competitors in the league want to see a champion crown. So. Uh, I think most of the, most players uh, follow suit with what he's saying. Oh, and then we can look at some uh, some other news. You want to talk about a uh, a guy whose window is kind of falling down? They brought in uh, Joe Exotic, Tiger King, into Cincinnati, and uh, today or yesterday, sad news of Andy Dalton got released by the Bengals. I guess this was kind of worked out. Uh, the Bengals said that they would do whatever Andy wanted them to do as far as. Uh, getting him out of there, signing him. You know, they, they wanted to keep him happy, even if it wasn't with their organization, and that's what ended up happening. They got him out of there. Uh, where do you see a potential landing spot for Andy Dalton? Uh, Josh, this is really an end of an era. You know, not not necessarily just for Andy Dalton, but, um, you know, Andy Dalton in a Bengals uniform, Eli Manning in a Giants uniform, Peyton, or, uh, yeah, Peyton Manning in a, in a uh, Colts uniform and the Broncos. Tom Brady in a Patriots uniform. It's all gone, Josh. It's all going to be different. Um, it's definitely a new time in football. Um, it's a new game, and uh, that's definitely apparent with Andy Dalton. I, I don't – do you see him getting a starting job anywhere? Uh, I think it's possible. Yeah, I uh, – and you can add Phillip Rivers onto that list. Uh, not wearing yeah. a uh, – you know, so there's – uh, but yeah, I do see him landing a, a starting job. I think that he could. I think there's a possibility that he goes and gets a job in New England, or he gets a job in Jacksonville. I think either one of those places are two teams that could use a veteran quarterback, and uh, I think those are two of the biggest potential landing spots for him. I think I think the Patriots are all in on Jared Stidham. From everything I've heard, they're super high on Stidham. Um, they like him a lot, so I think he's going to be their guy there until he proves them differently. Uh, I, I maybe maybe they bring maybe they bring Andy Dalton in, um, and I feel like the same thing about Jacksonville. They like their guy in Gardner Minshew. Uh, I just I don't see a starting job anywhere for Andy Dalton, and uh, yeah, as much as that pains me to really say, teams love veteran quarterbacks though, especially if they have young guys coming in. I know the Patriots have Hoyer, but it's Brian Hoyer, like. Andy Dalton is a step above Hoyer uh, in in talent, uh, you know, and he's played consistently, played consistent most of his career. So, I, I definitely wouldn't rule the Patriots out. And you know, week eight he might not be starting, but if the if the Patriots wanted to bring in a a solid veteran to get them started and someone that uh, Jared Sinem could learn under, Andy Dalton is definitely a good candidate for that. Same thing with Jacksonville. They need a, a veteran quarterback over there, and uh, Andy Dalton could fill that role. Even if he wasn't starting, he would be able to uh, give Gardner Minshew some, some insight and give, some, give him someone to learn under. Uh, yeah, and if he doesn't get a starting job, I mean, one team I would like to see him at, possibly the Rams, um, sitting behind Jared Goff and uh, on, you know, fighting for basically the second-string job with Blake Bortles. I think he could bring a lot of insight to that quarterback room. Um, he could bring a lot of insight to the field. Uh, during games, help Jared Goff out, out a lot, uh, bring a real veteran savvy mindset there, um, which is kind of makes me question why the Bengals let him go. Um, I, I don't really see, besides the um, the media, uh, there being speculation about, you know, Joe losing his job to Andy Dalton, vice versa. 
Uh, besides that factor, I wouldn't see the point in letting him go. Well, I think it goes back to the, the organization wanting to make him happy. So you have to think that he still thinks he's good enough to play football. Um, and even if it's a pride thing, you know, it's got to be his mindset. He's good enough to play football. He wants a chance for a starting job. And more than likely, he knows that Cincinnati – you th- you have to think that he's had talks with the higher-ups, that they are going with Joe Burrow from day one, and he doesn't have a chance to compete for that starting job. And I think for him, you know, that that isn't a good spot. He wants to be somewhere where he can compete, somewhere where he can still play football. So, I think that's – I think that's why they let him go. I think it was a mm-hmm. – to make him happy, to give him a chance to play somewhere. And I think he is right now, you know, he's obviously a better quarterback than Jarrett Stidham. And he's a better quarterback, a better pro quarterback than, than Gardner Minshew. But by how much, you know, maybe a win or two more in the NFL. And at this point in, in the two careers they're looking at, at Gardner Minshew or Andy Dalton, you know, at this point, a win or two really isn't worth it. Yeah. It just depends on what you could sign him for. And I think that, uh, if you're going to start out a season with the Patriots quarterbacks, I would I would much rather start out my season with Andy Dalton and let Jared Sidham take over week six versus Hoyer starting and then coming in week two. Uh, you know, that's just my opinion. You talk about those two wins in six weeks, that might be able to make a difference of a of a divisional win right there. But I, you know, and it's all it's all fun speculation. It is a it's a very sad thing that Andy Dalton's uh, leaving Cincinnati. There were some great memes put out today uh, with Andy Dalton and his face and his time in Cincinnati. So, uh, shout out to Andy Dalton, man! What a career that guy had. And talking about uh, quarterbacks who were who were getting older and uh, younger quarterbacks coming in on the way. We've talked about it multiple times. Uh, Jacob Love coming in, getting drafted by the Green Bay Packers. Uh, obviously, we've talked about Aaron Rodgers getting mad about that. Uh, so, after giving some time to digest, what do you think is happening in this situation? So, we talked about it when it happened um, in, in live live time. I, I said, I asked you, what do you think the ramifications are going to be from this, from them drafting a quarterback in the first round? for the first time since they drafted Aaron Rodgers in the first round. Um, I didn't think they were gonna, I didn't think Aaron Rodgers was going to like it. And uh, he obviously hasn't. I, man, I, I, I don't think he's going to get traded before this. I don't see them trading him before the season starts, but I see him requesting a trade before the season starts. Yeah, I, uh, I don't think it'll be before the season starts. I definitely think that he wants out of Green Bay now. I think they'll probably play him through the year, and he'll leave. Uh, and You'll probably see him leave in a year or two. And what would be the craziest thing is if he ends up in Chicago, beating out Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky for the starting job over at the Bears, going from the Packers to the Bears. That would be just as crazy. Um, I'm, I think – I'm not sure if Big Cat would have an orgasm or a heart attack. But uh, he – that would definitely be a, a great storyline. Um, I think the only thing that could rival that is if he went to New England. If he went – I mean, you talk about wanting a veteran quarterback uh, that you could trust. Uh, you want to give someone that Jared Sidham can learn under a little bit more. Aaron Rodgers would definitely be that guy, and he's good enough to go out and – he's not just two wins better than those guys. He's four to six wins better than those guys. So, uh that would be incredible. I, 
I have to think, and you would think that Aaron Rodgers would ask way too much money for what Bill Belichick would want to pay him if he trusts Jared Stidham enough to be able to roll him out. Yeah, you'd have to think if there was a way for Bill Belichick to land Aaron Rodgers, um, he would have already exercised all of those, all of those opportunities. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I do not think that Aaron Rodgers will play in a Green Bay Packers uniform uh, next season. I, I mean, I, I doubt we see him. I, I say we don't see him in a Packers jersey more than five times this season. I'd say by week six, he is on a different team. All right, that's something to this watch. Is gonna get, it's going to get very toxic between him, uh, Matt Lafleur, uh, Jordan Love. It's not, yeah, it's not. It's not going to be pretty down there. So I'm actually uh, looking at this right now. Did you see the memo that the NBA issued about testing players? I didn't. So the NBA issued a memo advising teams not to arrange coronavirus tests for asymptomatic players and staff. For the time being, it is not appropriate in the current public health environment to regularly test all players and staff for the coronavirus. So they're basically saying if you're not showing symptoms, it's not in the public health environment. environment it's not appropriate to test everyone uh, i think that's kind of what we were just saying a while ago kind of about you know the the perception of the, the pga tour to come out and say how many tests they have um, how many tests they have access to while people are struggling to get tests i think this is kind of the same thing isn't that one of the i mean that's what i talk about all the time the nba is such a good league in their appearance the way they handle everything they are leaps and bounds above all other professional sports in this in this category it's it's amazing oh and players are uh starting to be able to work out at uh practice facilities in a limited capacity only a certain number of players in at a time but a lot of these are are going to start opening up real soon yeah and the problem we see with that um, especially let's say for Georgia, um, for example, for the, you know, the governor there has had an interesting couple of weeks, uh, but you know, equinoxes and planet fitnesses and all these different gyms with full court gyms are going to be open next week in Georgia and Oklahoma, but practice facilities are not. So you, you could potentially see NBA players, you know, in those gyms, you trying to get shots up, trying to get an open, open run in. Um, and I think I think that's where the NBA is kind of going to struggle in this next week. Yeah, you're yeah you're definitely right about that. It's it's going to be it's going to be tough for them to you know watch other things roll out when they can't. But I know that a lot of states, uh, like even Oklahoma, for example, uh, a lot of cities are still trying to practice that social distancing guideline uh, whenever they open these back up. So it wouldn't surprise me to see some of these gyms closed, even or the the basketball courts closed with the gyms being open. So, Josh, let's get into some uh, Fantasy Football Friday with our friend Shane. But first, you wanted to uh, read an ad for us. Kyler, I know how much we both have loved what Anchor has given us as a podcasting platform. Ladies and gents, if you haven't heard of Anchor yet, you're missing out. Most importantly, it's free. Anchor gives you the ability to edit and upload your podcast directly from your phone to get anywhere you can get your podcast. Apple Music, Spotify, it'll be there. You can make money from your podcast with minimum listeners. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. All right, here we are with Fantasy Football Friday once again. Uh, you guys don't know this, but it's happened to us like three times. Uh, we'll, we'll go to start a Zoom call. We get about a quarter of the way, halfway into it, and uh, 
it's all Kyler's fault. He forgets to hit record every time. Uh, it's definitely not me. Uh, so Kyler forgets to hit that record button, and uh, and then we have to redo it all. So that's what we're doing now. So uh, here we go with Fancy Football Friday. We got Shane on with us. Shane, how's it going, man? It's great, man. Happy to have the draft. Uh, it was a great three days. Um, so it's all about the fantasy dynasty drafts from here. Exactly. Looking looking forward to break it down today. Uh, getting some of these rookie players, see how they're going to impact the world on a fantasy level. So I guess we can go ahead and get started with, with quarterbacks here. Uh, I'll go ahead and get it kicked off. My number one uh, quarterback for, for dynasty leagues here, if you're doing a, a rookie dynasty draft, is Joe Burrow, obviously drafted a Cincinnati. Joe Exotic, Tiger King. Uh, and so uh, here here we go. He's going to – I think they did good with bringing in T. Higgins. They've got Auden Tate, Tyler Boyd. Uh, the, he's got some weapons down there to be able to play around with. They're trying to build up the line. A.J. Mm -hmm. Green, uh, sure-handed monster. If he's going to see the field this year, hopefully he will. It's <laughs> a valid question. Yeah, Zach Taylor will tell you that he is, but that doesn't mean anything. So I, he's going to come in from day one and have an immediate impact. Uh, looking forward to the things that, that Joe Burrow can do. Uh, for me, he's definitely the guy that's going to be a consistent dynasty quarterback for years to come. I think he's going to be putting up big numbers week one. I think he should get serious consideration um, to be a to be a starter in one Q, in one QB leagues. Um, definitely in redrafts and um, for fantasy leagues. Definitely uh, get him on your line. Get him in your. Uh, when he's available. Absolutely. They're going to have weapons. They're going to be playing from behind. They're going to be throwing the football. Uh, it makes sense that Joe Burrow is going to score fantasy points. You definitely want to keep in mind with rookies and read league, um, just the, the lack of touchdown production historically for rookie quarterbacks. Uh, so Baker Mayfield with 27 touchdowns. Just you want to be cautious, um, but there's definitely plenty of upside there with the weapons. Joe Burrow is a record breaker. So, um, but you also, you know, want to make sure you don't let Ricky Fever get too far ahead of for you. Yeah, that's a good point there. And with the uh, the departure of Andy Dalton, uh, you know, it just opens up everything for him. There are no questions coming in from day one. Like you guys said, he'll he will make come in and make it make an immediate impact. Uh, Shane, who do you have for the second quarterback or your first quarterback off the board? Yeah, so uh, I think Joe Burrow is a great pick, but uh, my number one quarterback is uh, actually Tua. Um, I just think in this day and age of football and fantasy football, you really need that rushing upside. Uh, neither one of them really were great rushers in college, but I do think uh, Tua offers you quite a bit more athleticism uh, that you can look for down the road. And uh, – his ceiling is just – it's kind of unmatched on kind of what he could do. So, um, I'm really excited to see Tua. I think it's a great pick with either one of those quarterbacks. Uh, but going Tua there. If Tua doesn't take a medical redshirt this year, I think he's definitely going to be right up in the maybe top seven, top eight quarterbacks fantasy-wise. Uh, with so many weapons on there, Devontae Parker, Mike Jusecki, um, and two elite running backs in uh, – or not elite, but pretty good, great running backs in Jordan Howard. And uh, a great trade, and they got Matt Breida on, on draft day. I think yeah, that'll be a heck of a one-two punch. Go ahead, Josh. I think you're uh, you're being pretty optimistic there with the the top seven, top eight uh, for the year. Uh, to me, I I I think that they do have some good players down there, but Devontae Parker, I think, is going to take a a massive drop off this year. Uh, you know, off of a thousand yard season, I think a lot of people are going to be high on him, but 
I'm looking for him to go back to what he what he has been. He's shown consistently that he's not the guy. Injury plague, uh, not very sure hands. He he to me he's just not the guy. I I I do not sell high on Devontae Parker, and because of that, I don't think that Miami's weapons are the weapons that everyone says they are. Obviously, Matt Breed is a player, and Preston uh, is a, is a player, but outside of that, you know, it's a lot of unproven things and a and a rookie quarterback in two. So it's a there's a lot of question marks for me around the entire offense. Oh, I think short term, you definitely uh, you bring up some great points, and those are things that you need to consider in your in your draft. Uh, but again, we're talking about upside, so it might not be a bad play at all in. Uh, you know, 12 man leagues, deeper leagues. If you're getting your second quarterback, go for a guy with a lot of upside and Tua it could bring that even if he's not playing from week one, uh, whenever he does take the field later in the season, it could be exciting. Yeah. And especially in, I mean, in, in dynasty, you guys have a good point. He's definitely a, a dynasty guy that you would want to build around, but for redraft leagues, uh, definitely not my number one quarterback. So Kyler, what's your uh, top quarterback or quarterback coming off the board? So sticking in that same vein, talking uh, strictly about uh, dynasty leagues, Jacob Eason. Uh, he's got some weapons down there. They got Michael Pittman. They got Jonathan Taylor. T.Y. Hilton's already there. He's got the weapons there. Going to sit behind Phil Rivers for a year, learn all he can, step into that job next year if Andrew Luck doesn't come back, which I reported a couple weeks ago. So we'll see if that pans out. And if not, don't remember it. If I did, then uh, credit me. Um, but uh, what do y'all think about about that Jacob Eason going to the Colts? I think it's a great long-term play. He's going to look really good. I mean, you're absolutely right. They've got weapons. Um, Pittman, Paris Campbell that they drafted last year. They've got Jonathan Taylor. They've got an incredible offensive line. Um, so it'll – long term yeah he could definitely work out you're just running a risk you know wherever you're drafting him it's the guy that you're going to have to hold on your roster for a year uh that may not play so that's just something that you'll have to consider yeah from a dynasty perspective uh he definitely has a lot of upside a lot of potential there so that's a good call kyler uh you know i'm gonna go ahead and circle back i think that uh we didn't talk about in this go around was uh justin herbert justin herbert with the chargers Mm -hmm. has a lot of upside uh, I think he'll end up uh, overtaking Tyrod by the end of the season. If not, he'll definitely be starting next year. Um, I think that they, they want to give him a chance to develop and a little bit of chance to grow, uh, you know, just as, as a rookie. But I think he's got some mobility aspects to be able to get you some rushing yards. And he's, he's a guy that's going to be able to come in, especially on a dynasty team. Uh, if you have a chance, Herbert's in my top for court. If you're in the need of a quarterback, you don't have to look much further than a guy who's going to get everything for you. The Chargers have – you want to talk about a lot of weapons. The Chargers yeah. have a stacked roster, and uh, there's a good chance for him to make some plays. Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler. Yeah, it's it's he's got a ton of them. Shane, you have another quarterback? Um, that hits on all the top ones for me. Uh, Jalen Hurts is someone that you could look at down the road. Definitely offers mobility. Don't know uh, – kind of don't really see how his path to starting goes. Uh, so that's injury definitely concern. some concern. Um, yeah, an injury opportunity. Um, it can happen any day, but uh, it's just kind of a weird situation there with Carson Wentz. Okay, I guess we can go ahead and uh, transition over to running back. Uh, Kyler, I'll let you go ahead and start. Who's your top running back first off the board? 
So for dynasty leagues looking long, long term, uh, I'm going to go with J.K. Dobbins to the Ravens. Um, his ability, he's a really dynamic guy. He can hit you at the goal line. He can take a screen 80 yards. Um, I, I do think it's going to have um, somewhat of a negative impact on Marquise Brown. Not a whole lot. Um, I know you disagree with that, Josh. Um, I think he's going to be an immediate contributor, though. Uh, J.K. Dobbins to the Ravens is my number one running back. I think it's a it's a big time call there. I'm I'm a huge fan of of J.K. Dobbins. He's actually my my number one receiver. So it's a, it's a huge pick for me. I, I think that or my number one running back. Sorry, I think that uh, he's gonna he's gonna do great things over there. A one two punch with Mark Ingram and Mark Ingram's getting kind of old. I think that they're gonna be able to use him just like the Saints did Kamara. So I, I'm looking forward to the year with the Ravens having J.K. Dobbins. Uh, welcome to the flock. Uh, Shane, what do you have for your next running back? Yes, yeah, so uh, my top running back, my RB1, has to be Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I just think going on to, you know, the number one offense in the NFL, um, he's going to get playing time from day one. Uh, Pat Mahomes said he was the number one guy that he hoped that the Chiefs drafted. Um, Andy Reid's quoted as comparing him, uh, saying that he's better than Brian Westbrook was uh, whenever Westbrook played uh, under Andy Reid, so – um, a lot of high praises. He's going to have to prove it on the field, but the only running back taken in the first round, definitely I can't see passing on him as an RB1. So, yeah, like you said, there's only he was the only running back taken in the first round. Um, it was really a three or four running back draft, uh, pretty heavy. There are a couple sleepers I really like. Uh, Josh, who's your next running back, though? Uh, my, the next running back that I have coming off is definitely Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I think that he's he's the guy that's going to be able to plug in in Indianapolis as an immediate RB1. Um, he's going to push Mac down. I think it opens up a lot of room for him to be able to to work. You just have to trust that the Colts are going to continue to build that O-line and uh, spread everything out. But I'm looking, I'm looking at him in redraft and dynasty, in my opinion. I think he's going to be able to come in, make an impact, and barring no injuries, he could do it for quite a while. Uh, so, Kyle, do you have any uh, sleepers you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I've got two. Uh, one for the Bucks. They've got, you know, uh, they have a plethora of weapons on there. They even drafted a, another receiver uh, out of Minnesota. But, you know, Brady likes his safety valves. He likes his running back. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt. He's headed to Tampa Bay. I love him a lot. And uh, my second one, Anthony McFarland. He's headed to Pittsburgh. Um, he's a Tariq Cohen-like, small guy, really fast. Will hit you, though. Um, I think he's really going to open up the field for uh, Juju and uh, Chase Claypool, the other receiver they got in the first round. Or second round, I think. Yeah, that's a good call there. Shane, do you have any uh, any other sleepers that you want to talk about? Yeah, uh, my favorite kind of guy that's not going in the first round, uh, getting uh, not a lot of talk around him, is Darrington Evans at Tennessee. Um, definitely someone with uh, a ton of upside had the second fastest 40 at the combine behind only Jonathan Taylor for running backs. Um, he's going to offer you passing work immediately. Great handcuff to Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's playing on a one-year deal. So for dynasty purposes, I think target Darrington Evans, and he could really make an impact for you right away with that PPR value. Um, you never saw with Derrick Henry. He never played over 75% of the snaps really uh, last season. He's not your third down running back he will get some catches in the screen game uh but he typically doesn't see a ton of targets um so definitely like Darrington Evans 
Yeah, that's a that's a good call on Evans there. I think that uh, he does have a lot. Of, he does have some potential. Um, it's a, tough to take down Tractor Cito. Um, so one of the one of the ones that I have a good sleeper, Zach Moss, coming out of Buffalo. Uh, I think that he has a chance to really hurt Devin Singletary's value, which truly sucks for me because I also have Singletary uh, in my dynasty league. But uh, he's going to be a guy that can come in and. And another one of those one-two punches, but I think he might uh, – he has a good chance to take the more of the grunt work, goal line work, take some touchdowns away from Singletary, fill in that Frank Gore role that, uh, you know, old man Gore has been doing for such a long time. So, we'll see if he can sustain it like he did. Yeah, they've got some weapons in there in Buffalo. Well, I think that wraps up the, the running backs. Let's transition over to wide receivers. Uh, Shane, you get to go first this time. First receiver off the board. Uh, instant impact guy Justin Jefferson is actually my favorite uh, wide receiver, especially with the landing spot to Minnesota. Um, I think Adam Thielen's still going to take some pressure off. Might be a lot like that digging, but I think uh, Jefferson. I mean, being as young as he is, 21 years old, he's got the opportunity to blossom into one of the best receivers in the league. Uh, he looks like an absolute superstar. Played great in the biggest games uh, in the playoff. Um, he's a superstar player. I think you can't go wrong with it. First round uh, value. So, so uh, before I before I get into this, I do want to say there are a lot of guys here that make you think, "Wow, he could be a number one guy." This this class was really deep in wide receiver, and I think there's a lot of talent. But Jefferson Jefferson's actually my number one as well. I, I completely agree with what you said. Thielen's going to take a little bit of pressure, and Jefferson's going to be able to make a, a very really strong impact. Uh, my number two off the board is Jerry Judy out in Denver. So I think that giving Drew Locke the weapons that he's going to need, um, Judy's – I think he was the best route runner in the entire draft class. And I think he's going to be able to get open uh, for Locke and go in and make an immediate impact on the team that, that needed a receiver. They were in, in a big need of a receiver going into this. So uh, dynasty redraft, uh, whenever it comes to that wide receiver spot, I'm looking at Jerry Judy. Yeah, I think the Broncos did good in, uh, getting Judy and also getting K.J. Hamley the next round. So I think they did they did real well uh, addressing their need, getting receiver. Um, I'm, I'm not completely sold on Drew Locke, so that's why uh, Jerry Judy's probably not – I'm not as high on him, um, on his landing spot at least. Um, probably my number one receiver – I'd probably put him at two, but it'd be CeeDee Lamb to the Cowboys. Um, he's going to be – he's not going to have – probably even the second best corner on him um, in any, any, in any given game um, with all the weapons there, he's going to fit right in in Dallas. I think he's going to be a star. He's wearing dead as a number. Um, I think he, he's going to fit right in in Dallas. Even though there was some controversy over that number, he, uh, he wanted to go in where number 10, Jerry Jones wouldn't let him. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Let's not forget uh, Michael uh, Michael Irvin with the 88 Dallas Cowboys also. Oh, yeah. Big and time. they said there was a player that, like, uh, made it famous, but I, I'm not a history person, so. Yeah, I don't remember who it was, but they did mention that name. But Irvin and uh, Dez were the ones that made the tweets and the, all the media around that. But, yeah, no, uh, yeah, CD wanted to wear number 10. Jerry Jones asked him to follow in the footsteps of Irvin and, and Dez, so. We'll see what happens there. I'm not – kind of what you just said about uh, Judy, I think that that's a lot of mouths to feed in Dallas from a fantasy perspective. I don't – I don't – I've got Lamb at sitting number five for me. Uh, I I just don't – it's a lot of mouths to feed for Dak 
and you got Zeke's going to get his touches. They should be scoring a lot of points. You would hope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you would hope. Jerry Jones uh, might go coach the, coach the team himself if they don't. <laughs> Maybe we can get uh, Coach Ruggs over there and show him what's going on. Coach Duggs. Coach Duggs. Shane, who do you got your next run or next receiver off the board? Uh, so that I mean, that pretty much hits it for my like top three: Justin Jefferson, uh, Judy, and then uh, CD for me. And then so going number four would be Jalen Rager. There's a ton of opportunity in Philly for Jalen Rager. Um, he didn't have as good of a year his junior year as he did the year before with uh, TCU, um, but his quarterback situation also kind of took a hit. Um, but Jalen Rager's a playmaker that should see plenty of targets. No receiver in Philly went over 500 yards last year. So uh, definitely he should be, uh, he should be. Why did Philly take Rager over Jefferson? Uh, that's a great question. I, uh, I don't understand a lot of Philly's draft. <laughs> well, I, I'm actually a big uh, Jalen Rager fan. Uh, I think that it, they could have went either way. Like I said, I think there are a lot of guys in this draft that could surprise a lot of people with how well they end up performing in the NFL. Jalen Rager is actually the one that rounds, rounds out my top three. Uh, I think that just like what Shane said, which also, again, sucks for me because I have an investment in Greg Ward, and Greg Ward took a huge hit uh, after they drafted the receivers that they did. So my, uh, my dynasty team is struggling with the, with the fantasy draft. Or, and, uh, or with the NFL draft, and now I don't have a first or a second round draft pick in this coming up because I just traded the 109 for Daniel Jones because I was in a little bit of a need of a quarterback. But anyway, um, I, I've got my – and like I said, there are so many guys in this draft. Um, but my number four, a guy that I, I, I like a lot, uh, is Pittman in Indianapolis. Uh, I think that he's going to be another one of those guys that goes in with Jonathan Taylor and can make an impact. So he's got a, you know, hopefully improved system uh, taken in some of that spot, and he's going to have some some room to maneuver and be able to catch those balls and make a make an impact. So I, I, I'm looking for him. He He's one of the guys I'm looking for more in a dynasty than I am redraft. I'd let him fall uh, quite a bit in a redraft before I, I looked at picking him up. Yeah. Yeah, so like you said um, – there was this class, this wide receiver class was so heavy, heavily debated um, leading up to the draft. Arguments could be made for six or seven guys to be the first wide receiver off the board. Um, I think 20, 25 guys had a first round draft rating. Um, we haven't even mentioned T. Higgins yet, and I'm still not going to mention him because my next receiver off the board is Denzel Mims to the Jets. I think him being there, um, he's, gonna, he's not going to get any of. I think he could be the wide receiver one day one. What do, you, uh, do you agree with that, Josh? No. See, I actually do. I I think that he could with the Jets. Who I mean, who do you have there ahead of him, Josh? Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna be completely honest with you guys. Uh, whenever you mentioned Higgins, that's all I had in my head, and so uh, I was thinking of uh, Higgins over in Cincinnati. Not Mims. Yeah, gotcha. no, Mims definitely has a chance to be the number one guy. They have they have no one else. He he definitely can't. Yeah, with the <laughs> offensive the offensive line got bolstered up. Um, Sam Darnold's going to be not have mono this year, hopefully. Uh, Lady yeah, Bell's keep him, for the, they could, they're a sleeper in that division. If we can keep him away from the, the 28-year-olds from Canada or wherever the hell that girl is from. Uh, Shane, what do you have next? you have a sleeper? 
Okay, yeah, so one guy I have, Josh, is uh, Henry Ruggs. Uh, I'm surprised we haven't brought him up yet. You number know, one receiver off the board, but I think for the same reason that uh, I haven't brought him up yet is we really don't know how he's going to be used a lot of times with those speed demons. You see him playing in the special teams game. That really only benefits you in fantasy if they make it to the end zone. Uh, you don't get points for that yardage in uh, most scoring formats. So um, for Henry Ruggs, it's just – it's kind of scary. You saw John Ross go off the board at nine to the Bengals a few years back. Have yet to see really his fantasy impact. Aside from Tyree Hill, there's just not a ton of history of those super fast guys making plays. They do in the special teams game, but you don't just really usually see it uh, in terms of fantasy. Yeah, I, I that's why I have him all the way down, which, you know, it may not be as far as you do, but I've got him all the way down at number eight uh, in my receivers. Uh, and for him being the first one taken in the draft, I feel like that's really low to have for a fantasy impact what you would expect for a player to be coming out uh, immediately drafted that high. Yeah, so Rugg is probably my sixth or seventh receiver. Um, I'm probably not as low on him as, as y'all are. Um, he does have a really high ceiling. I think it um, it rivals Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill's ceiling, but his floor is also really low. He could be a you know, at best, uh, poor man's Darius Howard Bay. So I've got I've got two two wide receivers that I I want to talk about. You know, obviously we can go through, but I've only got two more that I really want to highlight. And one, I'm really glad that I get to talk about him because I'm really high on him and his landing spot, and that's Brandon Ayuk. Uh, fall into the 49ers I think that he's he's going to be able to fall into a sweet spot there I know that it's a uh, it's a run heavy offense with uh, with Jimmy G over there but we saw Marquise Goodwin and uh, Debo Samuel and Greg Kittle uh, be able to carve out roles and make plays and be fantasy relevant so I think that uh, it's a great spot for Ayuk he's got enough speed he's got some some route running ability I think that he's going to be able to to go in and make have an instant impact I love that pick there uh, and talking about Kyle Shanahan and his ability to really scheme guys open uh, Van Jefferson going to the Rams. Um, I think that's a real sleeper pick and also Cam Akers at the running back position. Shane, do you have a, you have one more sleeper? You, you good? Uh, so yeah, I'll give a, I'll throw out one uh, sleeper for, I guess, end of the draft. If you got done with your dynasty draft, you kind of didn't get anyone. Maybe you traded away all your picks uh, to get Greg Ward or something. I don't know. Uh, but if you're if you're needing to pick someone off off waivers, I think James Prochet uh, ended up going really late. Went to Baltimore. Uh, this is a receiver out of SMU. He actually had the most receptions in the NCAA last year. Over the last two years, he's had 120 catches uh, or 220 catches over the last two seasons. So I mean, the guy's a production monster. Yeah, he went late. He's not a speed burner. Um, he's not gonna light up the field but I mean in terms of like a Jarvis Landry production type receiver uh, he could definitely be someone down the road there in Baltimore that ends up catching a lot of passes I love it hey anyone who's going to Baltimore to catch touchdowns you can uh, put them in my good graces so welcome to the flock uh Callie do you have a, another sleeper you want to look at um, that's pretty much it for me. I guess I'll just, uh, I wanted to highlight the Eagles. Um, I think they did really well. I, I didn't quite, I would have taken Justin Jefferson over Rager with that pick. Um, but they did get a great receiver out of Boise later on and a really slept on receiver out of Southern Miss. Um, we, we've saw a lot of players like that in, um, you know, the sixth, seventh rounds, not quite 
be drafted out of the smaller schools. We saw, I think it was 70% of the players drafted in the draft were from SEC schools or um, Ohio State. Yeah, it's a good call on Philly. I thought they did a lot improving their weapons. Um, so the last sleeper that I have, uh, he's another one of those late guys where if you're kind of looking for somebody to, to throw a – throw a hat at, throw a name out there for one of your last picks. Uh, Quintez Cephas going to Detroit. Uh, you know, Detroit's got a couple of guys, but damn it, Danny Amendola's getting old. Uh, Kenny Galladay is really the guy there. So uh, I think that he has a great chance to, to come in and make some splashes. Uh, you know, he's not one of the biggest names out there. I've got him all the way down at, at number 15. But if you're looking for a guy to, uh, to use a late pick on, uh, definitely keep him in mind. I think that just – Detroit and the system it's in, they're going to need another uh, another weapon over there alongside Kenny Galladay. Interesting pick. I'll look into him. It's honestly the first I've heard the name. Hey, it's he's he's gonna he's gonna make some splashes in Detroit. They're gonna have to throw the ball a lot this year. Uh, the uh, Matt Patricia can't seem to figure out the defensive side of the football, so they're probably gonna be playing from behind. They definitely will be. So. Uh, you know, we can go into the last position. Obviously, it's not very deep. Uh, tied in spot here for your fantasy teams. Uh, do either one of y'all even have a uh, a tied in looked at for uh, moving forward this year? Give me Devin Aussie Aussie, New England Patriots tight end. Um, I don't know if this guy will live up to, you know, the Gronk or uh, the Aaron Hernandez. Uh, however you want to take that. I don't know if he'll live up to kind of that, you know, what they brought to the table, but they took him in the early third round, so they obviously are wanting to make plays with him. He's not a blocking tight end, so if Bill Belichick's spending, you know, third-round value on a guy that's not a blocking tight end, you got to expect him to get some fantasy production. So uh, I don't know if I'd love it for, you know, this year. Don't really ever like rookie tight ends. Uh, they just don't tend to – but uh, if you're looking for some fantasy or dynasty value, I think Devin Asiasi is a great pick. So who do you think is going to be throwing to Devin Asiasi this coming up season? Uh, week one or week 16? Let's go week one. Week one, Brian Hoyer. I think he's actually going to – I think Belichick's going to play the safe route. Um, you know, there's everything about Stidham. Yeah, he could make it. Yeah, he's a third – you know, he was a third-round guy third, fourth round guy last year. I don't know. It's just tough to see, man. They're Okay. I can't you see Bill going that route. You sounded pretty confident in week 16. So who do you have taken over in week 16? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think by the end of the year, I think he'll, he'll put Stidham in there. I think he will eventually end up taking that over. Uh, but I just can't see week one and rolling him out there. Gotcha. Makes sense. Collar, do you have any, uh, any tight ends from this from this draft? So uh, going into it, you know, it was basically talked at talked at top talked up as basically a one tight end, maybe two tight end draft. Uh, Cole Komet going to the Bears. Um, it's a little crowded there at the uh, at the tight end position in Chicago, but uh, hopefully Nick Foles, maybe Mitch Trubisky, whoever gets in the game there, will uh, be able to find one of those giant guys. Um, not sure how much of an impact he's going to make uh, this coming season. But I think he's a really good, a really good tight end. So this is another situation where, uh, not the tight end, but in the Bears quarterback situation, where I have Mitch Trubisky 
as a quarterback on my dynasty team and they bring in Nick Foles, there's a good chance that another one of my players gets uh, benched or sidelined or his production goes uh, down severely because of all this offseason movement. So it's making me really sad going through all these picks um, looking at this coming up draft. Um, but I do have one tight end, um, and that is a good call by you, Kyler. There's 10 tight ends now in Chicago, so he's going to have to uh, carve out a role over there. The tight end that I have, uh, I'll go with the famous one, and Thaddeus Moss. Uh, he signed with the Redskins, so the Redskins always need uh, weapons over there. They need someone who can catch the football because any help, just like with the Ravens, anyone who can catch a touchdown is welcome over there. So, so look for him to be a, a blocking guy as well. Uh, so he has a better chance to carve out uh, somewhat of a quicker role than some of these other guys because of his, his blocking ability and being able to uh, catch and run after the catch. So I think that that, uh, that pretty much sums it up for positions this time. Shane, thanks for coming on with us, man. We always uh, appreciate your insight and, and thoughts on this. Absolutely, man. Great to be here. Uh, look forward to uh, a lot of uh, rookie drafts and uh, dynasty startups uh, to follow until we get out of this quarantine. So uh, definitely excited. Fun to talk fantasy football. And uh, thanks for uh, sticking through us through the technical difficulties. I know that you've got uh, you've got other things to do, and Kyle remembered to hit record this time. So so good job on his part. Hey, uh, it's been fun, man. We really appreciate it. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, guys. See you, buddy. Yeah, Kyler, and uh, actually I just learned that Rashad Penny is going to be starting the season on the PUP list, so my uh, my Dallas take there was looking pretty good for that running back spot uh, coming up under Carson and Penny. That's yeah, breaking news. That, sure. Breaking news. But, yeah, so, uh, you know, we had, that was great. Always, always love being able to talk to Shane. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get into game six of the 2016 NBA Finals. What a – fantastic game to watch man i loved this one through and through man i mean it was a little sarcasm there i noted but it really was a good game i mean the first quarter uh the Cavs really jumped on them but by the at the beginning of the fourth it was a nine point game so it was it was a lot closer than it seemed um andrew bogut missed this game due to an injury uh so the warriors got off to a horrible start you remember a couple games ago uh, bogut had five blocks in the first quarter you know, he was very key in the Warriors, you know, coming out strong, coming out really tough physically on that front line. Um, he was really missed in this game. Yeah, he definitely was, that big presence. And uh, I, I've actually got a really good uh, – that's going to be one of my one of my awards later on. But, yeah, uh, they definitely missed him in this game. Um, but, no, I wasn't being sarcastic. I loved watching the Cavaliers dominate this one. The score was a lot closer in some aspects than it should have been or what it felt like. But, no, I, I absolutely loved watching watching them dominate it. I couldn't have been happier with how the game went. It was LeBron so much fun was, to watch. LeBron, the only word you could describe LeBron's performance tonight, it, it was virtuoso. It was, it was the top level of basketball that, could, that has ever been played. That was the sign of someone who was tired of the talk, who was tired of everything, and did not want to go home. No, that man, that man wanted a game seven, and that's what he got. Um, the Warriors were five for 24, uh, one for nine from three in the first quarter. Um, a Mo Williams sighting in the first quarter. So uh, you, can, you see, I mean, even for the Cavs in 2016, competent guards are needed for playoff runs. 
So I'll look for that in the coming playoffs this season. Yeah, and it's a big part into it, you know, how, how well that can happen. One thing that, uh, that I noticed during this was the smack talk and the confidence by LeBron in the second half especially. Whenever LeBron's hitting that turnaround, fader, jump shot, and then blocking staff and talking smack, that is peak LeBron, full confidence, not going to lose the game. Yeah, so uh, Steph got hot in the second quarter. Uh, I think he had 15 points in the second quarter. Uh, Tristan Thompson was just absolutely huge in this game. I think he finished with six, 16 rebounds. Uh, I'll, I'll note him later on. Uh, but the Cavs were up 17 with a minute 30 left in the third quarter. Uh, and Clay, ha- Clay had eight straight points at about 30 seconds and cut it to nine going to the fourth. And uh, you had some hope because, I mean, Steph was hitting his shots. Uh, Clay obviously just got on that run. He wasn't shooting the ball well up until that point. But, you know, seeing that to end the third, you know, we had some, we had some momentum. And these were the first six plays of the Warriors um, going into the fourth quarter. Clay missed layup. Steph missed three. Anderson Vergeau turnover. Leandro Barbosa layup, finally. Dan, or Draymond Green missed layup, LeBron block. So, I mean, the Warriors started off very slow. Uh, Leandro Barbosa was actually their leading scorer in the fourth quarter. Um, he had nine points in the first six minutes of the fourth quarter. Uh, Stephen Clay had eight points combined the entire fourth. Yeah, definitely not a uh, – it was not a good look for those guys. Uh, nine and 21 for Clay, eight and 20 for Steph. So, it was – it was definitely not there for them uh, tonight. And, you know, I, with the Jordan not coming out, there's been a lot of talk of, you know, when Jordan – when someone said someone was better than Jordan at the time, Jordan stepped on their throat and made him feel it. And, you know, this was a game where LeBron, had, you know, the previous year didn't go the way. And this time, what happens when Steph wins the unanimous MVP, LeBron and him in the finals, LeBron razzles him, rattled him, got him inside his own head, uh, first time Steph Curry fouled that all season was missing shots. Uh, it was a he had tough sledding all night. So uh, I think that LeBron showed that killer mentality right here, especially towards Steph and the fact that I'm going to outplay you. I'm going to be the best player on this court, and he was by leaps and bounds. Yeah, that's that's a very very well made point. Uh, the block and the chatter to Curry with about four and a half minutes left. Um, 10 seconds after that, Curry was called for a cheap foul on Tristan Thompson. Um, argued it pretty fairly, I thought. Instantly gets a tech, gets ejected. And that's pretty much all she wrote. Um, of course, the, the words were not going to have a chance without, without Steph in the game. Um, a lot of missed threes, a lot of shots left on the free throw line. Uh, Clay very uncharacteristically missed a few big free throws tonight. Um, I'm going to note this now. And I'm going to bring it up again and again. Andre Iguodala is actively avoiding shooting free throws. He is actively avoiding contact. He's shooting the ball very poorly. Um, I'm actually going to go straight to my blame place. It's Andre Iguodala. He's avoiding contact. He's shooting the ball very poorly. He's not even close to healthy. For the series, for the entire series, he shot three for nine from the free throw line. Um, but we'll dive much deeper into Andre Iguodala avoiding contact after the next game's breakdown. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair blame place right there. Uh, so I've got a, a more broad blame place. I'm going to put my blame place on Golden State Warrior interior defense. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't have to watch the whole game. You could have just went and watched the highlights, I'm sure, to see all the alley-oops that were thrown, all the inside plays. Uh, you know, and that's a, a, a big tribute to Bogut not being there due to injury, but just the lack of interior presence in the game. It, that's what's to blame for this. They got manhandled on the inside. They got treated like little kids, alley-oop after alley-oop. Uh, and something about the alley-oops real quick. Uh, J.R. Smith doesn't throw a normal alley-oop. The man no. has to do the Kareem <laughs> hook shot. With his tongue out. With his tongue out for an alley-oop every time. He throws it over his head, and it works. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, it got to be. But, uh, I'm the, yeah, great call there. The Warriors' best player off their bench tonight. Uh, it was usually someone like Bogut, you know, someone like Azili who wouldn't have to play as many minutes. Uh, Verizal, um Tonight is Landry Barbosa again, and you can't have that, especially on a night where Bogut's not playing. Um, so great call there by you. Uh, what about your Trey Young heat check? I'll let you go ahead and go first. Okay, so before I give my actual heat check, I just wanted to uh, – I got a running tally here. Uh, my boy Draymond Green was a 0 for 2 from 3, so that man is now 0 for 8 since his 28-point eruption from the three-point line. So that's just a, a fun tally I'm keeping. So, 0 for 8 in the last three games. Um, so, my Trey Young heat check award is actually going to go to uh, Clay Thompson. It, yeah. This is one of those instances where the Trey Young heat check is that a it's a check. He was not hot. He shot very poorly from deep, 3 for 10. Uh, the defense was, was on him tonight. He did make a couple of nice little plays, but – he was chunking the thing up, took 21 shots, uh, 9 for 21, 3 for 10 from 30. So, he he did not have his kind of game, but he kept throwing it up. Uh, yeah, like I said, he got hot in third. I mean, that was pretty much it. He had 15 points in the third quarter, um, eight in about 30 seconds. But other than that, you know, he only shot the ball twice in the fourth, and he missed both of those. Um, and it's kind of the same sense. Uh, Harrison Barnes gets my Trey Young heat check. Um, he had a big game four, I believe it was. I think he was five for eight from three. Um, since then, his last two games, he's two for 22 and one for 11 from three. Um, the reason the Warriors went out one for 11 from th- two for 22 in the last two games. The reason the Warriors went out and got KD, um, it was for times like this, for when things get heated, series get extended, game six, game sevens come around. Sure, Steph had 30, Clay had 25. But when you're Steph and you're six foot nothing, and when you're Clay and you can't take more than four or five dribbles, it's nearly impossible, especially doing it two times in a row. Um, you know, Leandro Barbosa had made more shots than both of them combined in the fourth quarter. Yeah, well, that, well they went and got KD because KD was one of the top three best players in the league at the time. And who wouldn't want that kind of talent on your team? to be able to fill a hole in that small forward, power forward spot. So Yeah, I'm saying, yeah, you need somebody on that wing that can, you know, take, take a couple dribbles and pull up and confidently pull up on when LeBron is guarding you with two and a half minutes left. Because, you know, Harrison Barnes was not doing that tonight. Yeah, you got to bring in whoever you can to, to beat LeBron. That's, that's for sure the best player on the planet. So that's, you know, it's a, it's a difficult task to be able to do that. Uh, so let's go into MVPs for the game. Who is your MVP? Um, I'm going to go ahead and let you have LeBron. So I'm going to say it was Tristan Thompson. Uh, Tristan Thompson, he was, he, without him tonight, they don't win this game. Uh, he dominated the boards. He 
he, I don't think he missed a shot tonight. Yep, six for six. I think they were all six dunks. Uh, 15 points, 16 boards, uh, plus 32 on, on the plus minus. Man, he played a giant role in this win tonight. And like I said, man, uh, earlier in the series, the bigs for Cleveland, they should have been playing the whole time. Uh, but uh, great job by Ty Lue tonight. Yeah, Tristan Thompson, a huge game. And a lot of that was because of those alley-oops. He had so many oops. It was it was absolutely crazy. That one play where LeBron threw it up right in front of him. Uh, LeBron definitely gets the MVP for this game. Back-to-back uh, 41-point -back uh, performance. Tristan Thompson actually had the highest plus or minus at mm -hmm. plus 32. LeBron was second with plus 26. But yeah, LeBron put up 41, 8, and 11. Uh, so just shy of another triple-double. <laughs> over 40 points uh he so last game he had three steals and three blocks this game he had four steals and three blocks so he's not just doing it on the offensive end he's doing it in a complete manner uh it's it's crazy the numbers that he's putting up in this series uh playing at an all-time high level uh you can't ask for anything more from lebron in this series man it's artistic he's doing it all and some of the moves that he's – whenever LeBron decides to square his shoulders and attack, it doesn't matter how many people you throw because if he doesn't go up, he's passing out of it. Somehow 90 degrees to his right with someone right in his face. The little pass that he threw between uh, – I don't remember who it was. He threw right between two of them to Tristan Thompson for an easy dunk. Bounce pass, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah. It, it's just incredible the things that he can do with the basketball. Yep, so that was game six. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't as close of a game as we probably would have liked. Um, game seven, it's – man, I can't wait to watch game seven. Uh, we might postpone that to Wednesday, depending on how, how much content the Jordan Doc gives us. Um, Sunday's episode is promised to be a lot about gambling, it's supposed to get into that quite a bit. Um, so, we'll, we'll, it's, so I imagine we'll have quite a bit of that to talk about, Josh. Yeah, we might have to get into the uh, to the degenerates den if I'm going to be in the mood for looking at some gambling stuff. Hey, I'll be I'll be waiting by the fire. <laughs> Bring the cigars. We don't have a game tomorrow. Well, hey man, this one this one was a fun one. Uh, I, like I said, I always love to get Shane on. It was good to talk to a fantasy football and some uh, going into these rookies and what the season's going to look like for them. So uh, always exciting to break down NBA games as well. I loved it, man. It was a really fun episode. All right, man. Well, I'll hit you up later. All right, buddy.